Hello, and welcome to Talking Opinions. I am Anthony Livingston Hall. In my February 26 episode on Vladimir Putin's invasion of Ukraine, I lamented the manifest folly of history repeating itself. But I could not resist throwing a little shade at all the political pundits and armchair generals suddenly waxing omniscient about Putin's genocidal intent to recreate the old Soviet Union. I justified my ridicule by, among other things, citing titles to just a few vindicating blog commentaries because they alone show that, unlike those pundits and generals, I was describing and predicting 17 years ago exactly what Putin is doing today. I cited, for example, Putinization President Putin reforming Russia in his own neo-Stalinist image on March 25, 2005. The Putinization of Russia extends to Georgia on November 2, 2006. Hello, 1937. Putin turning Russia back to Stalin days on June 13, 2012, and resentment as much as ambition moved Putin to take Crimea on March 24, 2014. More to the point, I coined that term Putinization to describe his neo-Stalinist master plan to turn Russia into a police state and reclaim a sphere of influence over all satellite states of the former Soviet Union. But perhaps even more prescient are my commentaries on Putin's intent to trigger a Hitlerian conflagration in Europe. Most notably is one titled Pope hears echoes of Hitler in Trump. I see traces of Hitler in Putin. From August 22, 2019. Because in that commentary, I pointed to signs indicating why we are living in dark days, eerily reminiscent of those of the 1930s that led inexorably to World War II. And I ended that commentary with the famous Santayana lament about those who failed to learn from history being doomed to repeat it. That said, Chinese President Xi Jinping is playing a pivotal role in this looming conflagration. I refer you in this regard to my blog commentary titled For China, To Help or Not to Help Russia, 
That is the question. From March 15. But for now, suffice it to know that I argue that it has always been Putin's intent to have China play for Russia, the Axis role Japan played for Germany during World War II. Key to answering that question is determining Xi's willingness to subordinate his grand ambition for China to play in the 21st century, the superpower role the United States played in the 20th. And, truth be told, I didn't think Xi would kowtow as much as he already has by parroting Putin's propaganda. Not to mention the public show he made of inviting Putin to sign their bizarre Friendship Between Two States with No Limits Alliance manifesto in Beijing last month. Meanwhile, China is clearly playing a fence-sitting role with all the diplomatic tact of a bull in a china shop. It wants the world to think of it as a worthy alternative to the United States as a sole superpower. Yet, as Russia seems hell-bent on triggering World War III, China is hedging its bets. Even so, I think Xi will eventually jump ship, and Putin will find that he's the one who was being played. Because I cannot see Xi's China sacrificing all to join Putin's Russia as it follows Hitler's Germany down the road to perdition. There is no denying, though, that if it were up to Xi's China instead of Roosevelt's America, all of Europe would be under Nazi rule to this day. Still, I feel obliged to note that this is no shotgun marriage between Putin and Xi, because here is what I wrote eight years ago in this regard, in Russia and China Make Kindred Bedfellows, on May 22, 2014. I have been forthright in pointing out foreboding analogies between what Hitler did in Europe during the late 1930s and what Putin is doing in Europe today, as I did in commentaries like Putin as Hitler, Crimea as Sudetenland, on February 26, 2014. In this vein, I proffered the analogy between Putin signing this gas deal with China and Hitler signing the 1939 Non-Aggression Pact with Russia, not least because, like Germany and Russia back then, Russia and China today have common cause in collaborating to counter what they see as Western powers imposing their political values while forging economic ties and military alliances all over the world. End quote. 
This brings me to the Patriarch. The first block commentary I cited earlier was one on the Putinization of Russia, dated exactly 17 years ago today, as I record this, namely on March 25, 2005. In that commentary, I presaged many of the tragic events unfolding in Europe today, including what portended, given polls showing Russians developing more faith in Vladimir Putin than in their Orthodox Church. And so, I cannot resist throwing a little shade now at no less a news authority than The Economist, because, like the pundits and armchair generals I mentioned earlier, it too is sounding the alarm I sounded 17 years ago, except it is doing so about Russians giving Putin just cause to emulate Louis the Fourteenth by exclaiming, I am the church, and the church is me. <laughs> this banner headline, in its edition on March 21, speaks volumes. An unholy alliance. Russia's Orthodox Church paints the conflict in Ukraine as a holy war. End quote. Its report documented the Church's dedication to worshipping Putin's cult of personality and proselytizing his political agenda. This, it noted, is why Patriarch Kirill had no compunction about parroting all of Putin's lies about the genocidal war he's waging in Ukraine, most notably the big lie that he's denazifying it of its Jewish leader. Interestingly enough, though, The New Yorker preempted The Economist with a report on March 12, under this banner headline, The Pope, the Patriarch, and the Battle to Save Ukraine. End quote. Unfortunately, its report mostly rehashed the history of the Great Schism between the Roman Catholic Church and the Eastern Orthodox Church, which dates back to 1054. In fact, it only noted in passing that the Pope has decried the abuse of power the war in Ukraine represents, but has been careful never to name Putin as the abuser. It duly juxtaposes this by noting that the Patriarch has blessed it as a holy war, and has even blamed the West for triggering it, by expanding NATO into Putin's neo-Stalinist sphere of influence. Of course, based on the Great Schism alone, nobody should be surprised by the conflicting views these two religious leaders have taken on this seminal war. I just wish the New Yorker had the presence of mind to point out the unwitting hypocrisy inherent 
in the Pope's take. After all, it's a perverse betrayal of moral authority to denounce Putin's abuse of power while refusing to denounce Putin himself. And yes, this is even more perverse than the moral fiction of the Pope presuming he can condemn homosexuality without condemning homosexuals themselves. So I say, a pox on both their churches. That the patriarch has sold his soul is self-evident. But my podcast episode, Benedict and Francis, Two Popes in a Pickle, from November 13, 2020, documents why the Pope will have some splaining to do too. Except that, each one's take on this war betrays the fact that neither can truly believe God exists, because they know no God would countenance them supporting or refusing to condemn a genocidal killer of innocent women and children like Vladimir Putin. Which brings me at last to the Gay Hoops star. I'm referring, of course, to WNBA player Brittany Griner. Customs officials arrested her on February 17 after they allegedly found hash vapes in her luggage upon arrival in Russia for usual off-season play. They charged her with smuggling a narcotic substance which could see her sentenced to ten years in prison. Nobody thinks that will be her fate, but it does not bode well that just last week the court in Moscow extended her preliminary detention until May 19. My heart goes out to Griner, but I am convinced Putin sees her as a godsend. For starters, her arrest enables him to draw false equivalencies between the illegal drugs she uses for recreational purposes and the illegal drugs Russian Olympians use for performance enhancement, which has resulted in them being precluded from competing under the Russian flag. But it also enables him to deflect attention from the epic defeat and humiliation his Goliath of a Russian army is suffering against Ukrainian Davids on battlefields all over Ukraine. Even so, I see no point in commenting any further on the merits of her case. Instead, I shall suffice to note that Putin, long rumoured to be a closeted homosexual, has a devious twofold interest in making an example of Greiner, because he can pander to the homophobia that fuels religious zealotry and jingoism in his Russia, 
and the more he makes a show of imprisoning her, the freer he will be to engage in gay sex with his closeted judo buddies. Apropos of jingoism, you've probably seen the images of Russians sporting their Z swastikas. And never mind that it marks their isolation like North Koreans, because Russian putsies are committing war crimes like German Nazis. Hell, they are even aping the Germans' salute to their Führer to properly hail their Tsar. Alas, this reflects two decades of systematic brainwashing, thanks in large part to Putinization indoctrination by the Russian Orthodox Church. But even allowing for well-founded criticisms of Daniel Goldhagen's famous book, if you've ever wondered how Germans became Hitler's willing executioners, just look at the way Russians are becoming Putins. But hope springs eternal, because that fever is breaking fast on the battlefields. For reports abound about Russian soldiers bemoaning how Z seems to stand for orders to bomb cities across Ukraine into zombie lands. Even more telling, though, is that Z seems to stand for zombie Russian soldiers deserting, thinking it's better to be captured and fed by Ukraine than to fight and die for Russia. That's it. Please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and follow me on Facebook and Instagram. If you'd like to contact me, I invite you to email anthonyhall279 at gmail.com or use the contact feature on my blog at www.ipjn.com. Thank you for listening. And until the next Talking Opinions, goodbye.